Hello and welcome to Wild and Theology. My name is Will and this is my co-host and good friend Kaylee. Hello. So today we are going to be talking about spiral dynamics. This is the fourth episode we've done on this topic now, uh, but you don't need to have listened to the others, right? It is absolutely helpful if you have, like we are quite deep into it now. It's not something that's this brand new thing, but what we talk about here should give you a good enough understanding to actually listen to this episode and get the gist of what we're talking about. At least as a, as a starting point, it would be fine. Um, you know, I try to come up with a new introduction each episode so new listeners have a sense of what we are talking about, uh, but also so that return listeners get a new perspective on the fundamentals of spiral dynamics. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, you can find us on our social media. Yes, you can follow us at Wild and Theology on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, if you want to ask us questions, comments, anything like that, you are more than welcome to contact us there. Mm -hmm. um, so what is spiral dynamics? Most fundamentally, it is a model of psychological and societal development that tracks how certain life conditions emerge over time based on you know, things like technology, population, and many other factors, and how that brings into being a certain psychology that is able to survive within those life conditions. So as human civilization solves the most immediate pressing problems, it becomes increasingly complex. Not only because of increases in population afforded by solving those fundamental problems, such as like agriculture and disease management, uh, these allow for a greater population level, but also as a result of the changes that these technological and psychotechnological solutions cause as they spread throughout society. So for example, the birth control pill is a technology that solved the problem of unplanned pregnancy, but it radically changed the sexual and social landscape. There were consequences when the birth control pill became widely available. Uh, and then a psychotechnology uh, that's basically just a standardized way of doing information processing that improves and enhances cognition. And so examples include literacy, meditation, or even psychedelics. Uh, these solutions do at first solve the problems, but then they give rise to new problems as they're spread throughout society causes unforeseen changes and emergent phenomena, right? So if like the entire populace can start reading, well then now you have so much more people who are able to create something uh, disseminated among the population and have a bunch of people reading that and then adapting their life and coming up with new ideas based on what they read. Mm -hmm. And there's huge consequences for that. Mm -hmm. There's just so much more to sift through. Yeah. And make sense of so many different competing or contradi contradicting ideas. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like you can't say that, you know, literacy was a bad idea. Like mm -hmm. We should get rid of literacy just because there are problems. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, the, 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 the reason we call these life conditions and problems higher life conditions and higher problems is because they are life conditions and problems that only emerged because of the life conditions and the solutions that came before them, right? You can't have the birth control pill or literacy without all the steps that came before them. Mm -hmm. And you can't have a psychology that is capable of dealing with the birth control pill and with literacy without all the psychologies that came before it. 
in the sense that each subsequent psychology is shaped by those preceding it. Furthermore, because these psychologies are dealing with an increasingly complex reality, they themselves must also be more complex, right? It's easier to deal with sexuality when you confine it to the bond of marriage, but it becomes much harder to deal with sexuality once the pill liberates it as, you know, non-committal sex, as the social acceptance of different sexual orientations, and as a thing that is simply not owned by one party, mm. right? And so this creates a far more complex landscape to navigate. And so a far more complex map is necessary, and in turn, a far more complex psychology is necessary to be able to read that map and to apply that map. Thus, we have the emergence of a new stage of thinking, feeling, and acting. And Spiral Dynamics has attempted to find clear delineations between these stages. I want to make it clear, though, this is not a perfect thing because no you know, real delineation actually exists. Yeah. We must be fully aware that it is just a model and it is not the territory it is trying to model. We also must keep in mind that no one stage is better than any other. Each stage is only better in the sense that it is better at solving the problems that emerged at the previous stage, by definition, right? If stage blue brings into being certain problems as a consequence of its own solutions, then stage orange is going to be able to solve those new problems better because that's exactly why stage orange came into being in the first place. That does not mean that blue is not still valuable and essential. Every single stage is important in its own way. So basically, as things become more complex, yeah. we need new ways to deal with those new problems that arose from the last stage. Exactly. And with that change, new values emerge and a new way of being emerges. Exactly. That are the solutions, but then eventually will create their own problems. Exactly. Which creates more emergence and new stages. Exactly. Wow. New levels and new devils. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it is really true. It's like, <laughs> um, this is kind of like an answer to the problem that a lot of people that I see a lot of people have where they're like, it seems like things are getting worse, mm. right? It's like we have, um, you know, an addiction problem. We have a homelessness problem. We have a mental health problem. We have COVID, for example, mm -hmm. um, all of these new problems where it seems like things are getting worse. And it's not that things are getting worse necessarily. It's that they're just new problems as we advance, yeah. right? And like a hundred years ago, people were like, crying because blacksmithing had died or maybe 300 years ago maybe sooner i don't know exactly when that f died but they were like oh my god this is such a pressing problem whereas now we don't even think about blacksmithing mm -hmm. you know like blacksmithing is something you watch on tv where you have those like cheesy like making weapons mm -hmm. shows i don't know mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> that's how much i know about them but <laughs> um but yeah like basically we don't even think about blacksmithing or we don't think about uh people getting polio yeah. anymore because we've solved that problem mm -hmm. but based on all those solutions to all those old problems, we now have new problems, Yeah. right? And so it's not that things are getting worse, it's just we have new problems. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a really hard perspective for a lot of people to hold Yeah. because things are getting worse in a lot of ways. Like right. there are things that are getting worse and there are things that are getting exponentially better at the same time. Like it's both, both things are happening. Yeah. And I think the reason why that's hard to reconcile is because people have this idea of progress, I think, mm -hmm. where they believe it's like going somewhere. 
that there's mm-hmm. going to be an end. Yeah. You know, so they, so it's like, if things are getting worse in some areas, oh wait, I don't know what I'm saying there. Well, uh, you know, if it like you're, you're, it's kind of like the utopian ideal. Mm-hmm. You expect things are going to be perfect one day. I mean, it's like, yeah. no. Yeah. So it's like things are getting better and you think you're achieving this. Yeah. You're, you think you're supposed to be getting closer to this utopian ideal. But then at the same time, there's so much going wrong. Mm-hmm. But that's always going to be the case yeah. is what we're saying here. And that's the perspective that Spiral Dynamics offers. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of like um, Hansi Freinacht. He talks about how he criticizes Ken Wilber because Ken Wilber has a, I think it's teleology. Mm. And teleology, can you go on your phone and look up teleology? Because I think I'm, I'm, I'm confusing tautology with teleology, but teleology is the right one. Teleology is the explanation of phenomena in terms of the purpose they serve rather than of the cause by which they arise. Yeah. And so basically Ken Wilber has this teleological understanding of development where it's like there's, or at least he did, I'm not too sure if he still does, but it's like kind of moving towards some omega point, I think they call it. Like some end goal is in the future that we're trying to get to. Yeah. Whereas Hansi talks about like, that's not necessarily true. You can still have development and progress without necessarily progressing to some predestined end goal, mm-hmm. right? And so when we talk about like progress and, and development from the spiral dynamics viewpoint, it's, it's okay that new problems are arising. That doesn't mean that things are getting worse necessarily. It's just new problems emerge, Yeah. right? I think we've made that point. Yes. And so that's kind of where we come with this podcast talking about Stage Orange. Right. And so just to give you a kind of a sense of what stage orange stands for, if you, if you want to personify in a very simplistic manner, what stage orange is, orange is like the scientist or the capitalist, right? Uh, stage blue is like the, uh, the priest or the, the Templar knight kind of thing. Uh, red, like very conservative, kind of very religious believes in kind of absolute truth. Uh, so orange scientist capitalist blue priest templar knight kind of thing um and then green these are kind of the three that we're going to focus on in this episode and then green is kind of like the environmentalist or the the social justice warrior kind of thing and so what blue does coming before orange blue is about like civilization management and group cohesion right we now have the opportunity uh, because of those things, we now have the opportunity for personal responsibility and individuality to emerge, mm-hmm. right? And some of the problems that Blue solves were the issues of like egocentricity and survival of the fittest, of living in the hedonistic moment without planning for the long term. Which was but, stage red. Yeah, that was stage red. Um, very like violent place to be, whereas Blue codified the great religious traditions that brought these violent people, these kind of uh, live in the moment survival of the fittest people together under a single banner of a monotheistic God or under a single set of laws and ways of being that serves some sort of like united higher purpose, Mm. right? It was very important. This allowed for that civilization to prosper and advance because people could remain united under that common way of being and that common purpose. And like I said, this allowed for people to begin taking more risks and thinking for themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's the rever- return of individualism. Exactly. But with more sophistication. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and so like if you've been following our podcast, 
you may know that stage red was also very individualistic, mm -hmm. right? So that's what you say. It's a return to this individualism. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they kind of only think about themselves. But because of the tempering effect of stage blue, it's far more accurate to say stage red egocentrism mm -hmm. and stage orange individuality, mm -hmm. right? To be an individual requires a society safe enough that you can risk being different and rise above the crowd without being murdered for the for the benefits you might reap for having been different, mm -hmm. right? Um, it may seem counterintuitive, but stage blue conformity actually gives rise to the ability to break away from conformity, mm -hmm. right? Because stage blue's conformity to law and authority prevents people from simply murdering you for your wealth. Um, orange can be egocentric to a very toxic degree, but the most toxic orange is nothing compared to the most toxic red. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the ways in which they'd be toxic wouldn't be like life-threatening <laughs> necessarily. Yeah. yeah. Like a stage red would murder you without thinking yeah. to steal your to steal your stuff and they would be they would feel perfectly justified to do that. Whereas orange will just, you know, destroy your career. Yeah. So They'll like lie or cheat to get ahead. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so kind of like thinking about how orange emerged, uh, you know, it, it, it's really defined by the scientific method in the capitalist economy, mm -hmm. right? The reason for this is because as the individuality of orange emerged, at least in the West, these thinkers began questioning the orthodoxy of the Catholic Church. Mm. You know, they investigated nature and found that the Bible and the church got some things wrong mm -hmm. and didn't hold all the answers. Right? The scientific method was created in order to understand nature better because they realized nature itself contained far more answers than the Bible possibly could. Mm -hmm. right? And it's like if you're a Christian and, and that doesn't really sit right with you, just compare how much scientific literature we have and how much we understand the world. Like if you look around at, at everything around you right now, everything here is made by science. Where it's like the, the, the Christian Bible doesn't really tell us how to do th this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, Right, but like there is still a lot of wisdom in the Bible, of course. I think it holds a lot of wisdom. Um, but you know, science has just allowed us to understand the mechanisms of reality far better. Mm -hmm. I think that's simply undeniable. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that would severely undermine the authority of religion. For sure. When that's just all they had before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I remember, uh, I think it was in a great course by the teaching company called. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was like reality shifters or something like that of like the basically the big ideas that completely reshaped how we viewed reality. Yeah. And uh, one of them was um, Isaac Newton and his uh, theory of gravitation, I think, or law of gravitation. Basically his Principia Mathematica, something like that. Um, and yeah. he basically like when that came out, people were like, it, it was groundbreaking. People were like, oh my God, we can actually explain the heavens with mathematics we can understand the world and that's something yeah. that like people didn't really grasp how you could do that before him mm -hmm. they, they just didn't really understand that mm -hmm. and so that completely shook the foundations of the church because they're like holy shit they can find all these answers that the bible doesn't hold you can't read the bible and figure out gravity you can't read the bible and figure out modern medicine yeah right because the bible isn't changing no it's already written it's already done whereas science is always changing and exactly growing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so as we kind of discovered that we could learn about nature by going to nature itself, 
you know, we came up with more and more sophisticated techniques for actually doing so. Um, and so as we discovered that we ourselves could come up with more answers than were contained in these traditions of the day, we began to value the primacy of the individual to actually go out and seek understanding and the good life on their own terms. This created a striving for autonomy and independence, and progress was now achieved by searching out the best solution to any problem. These in turn created a psychology that plays to win and enjoys competition because we strove for our own discovery of the best solution so that we might attain an even greater degree of autonomy, independence, and progress for ourselves, mm -hmm. right? And so at this point, Orange is probably ringing a lot of bells for you because this is exactly the kind of like environment that most of us live in today. Although the West has moved well into green at this point, we are still very much embedded in this orange capitalistic, scientific materialism. That's like the most stage orange sentence you could possibly say mm -hmm. or phrase, you know. Mm -hmm. Those three words. Those three words, yeah. Say them again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Chant it. <laughs> <laughs> Very authoritative. Oh my God. <laughs> Capitalist, scientific, materialism. <laughs> I love it. Mm. Those are basically, yeah, that's, mm -hmm, that's like it. the three words that define stage orange. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. It's very interesting thinking about the way the stages change, okay. evolve. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just thinking about it. How like if something, if religion was an authority that brought people together under blue and created that collective mentality, and then as science emerged, that was kind of disintegrated so that like that element alone broke everybody apart like they didn't have this uniting force anymore under religion because it was undermined by science yeah yeah i mean and, and science doesn't inspire that same collective mentality it's just kind of it, it isolates people yeah it kind of it it's true and like but it is at least at that point it was very reductive it was like it took this like grand ideal of like this beyond of heaven hmm. and isaac newton was like oh i can explain it with math yeah yeah. So. Well, that's kind of like one of the criticisms. And I think we've talked about this before uh, on the podcast is kind of like how science removes the magic from the universe. Mm -hmm. right? Or at least some people think it does. Some people <laughs> think it does, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I, I, think, I think it can. But at the same time, like it, it for me, and I, we've talked about this, both you and I, mm -hmm. that it adds a lot of magic because you just understand things so much deeper. Yeah. But it does remove a lot of like these things we think are holding us all together because we realize we can kind of like prove them wrong so mm -hmm. to speak it's like oh mm -hmm. if one of the big things that i learned when i when i first kind of started going down the path of atheism uh was like if any single uh argument or statement in the bible is proven wrong then the entire thing needs to be taken with a grain of salt and you need to prove every single statement mm -hmm. uh that it's that's said right and the reason for this is because the Bible is presented as like the, the one true word of God. And so it's, it's presented as this thing that is all true, absolutely true. But if, again, one statement is wrong, then that means it's not that thing. Therefore, we can't really take what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. And that's like you said, the, the, one of the biggest cohesive elements of our society is religion. And that's just completely destroyed at that point. Mm -hmm. Right? And then we go through the Bible and we learn about like, oh, they talk about, um, you know, the moon is its own source of light. Well, no, the moon reflects light from the sun. Mm -hmm. Oh shit, like all of this stuff we're learning from the Bible is not only 
uh, not the best way to get information because we can just go to nature itself, but there are actually statements in the Bible itself that are false. Mm -hmm. And so that's just like removes this cohesive element, you know, and, and that kind of brings us to what really defines orange. And it's, it's the values of kind of logic, rationality, and just like an unbridled drive to achieve because these are the very things you need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and live the best life you possibly can, mm -hmm. right? When you don't have these elements in society that are bringing people together and you're finding purpose through these things, you find purpose through achievement. Yeah. It's like, I'll get the most money, I'll get the most um, uh, sexual satisfaction or the most love from other people or mm -hmm. validation, whatever it is. That's what gives you purpose. Yeah, it's your new God. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. And so there's like this, this radical sense of personal responsibility that emerges out of this because the more you bring under your control, the more likely you are to actually create positive change for yourself. If you, if you say that my ability to make money is completely my responsibility and I can do it, well then that gives you an enormous amount of power to actually go out and do that because you're not thinking of all the things that can go wrong, right? And so there's this like knee-jerk reaction of disgust toward victim mentality or blaming the system because Orange says, like, I'm getting to the top of the system. So you can either help me or you can get the fuck out of my way, right? It's just this very intense, like, hustle mindset is stage Orange. And so when we talk about integrating Orange, it really is about integrating our own personal responsibility and our own drive to achieve. It's about taking responsibility for the kinds of outcomes we want in our lives and about doing whatever it takes to create the emotional leverage that actually gets us there. Right, and so there's this instrumentalization of emotions where it's like, if the emotion helps me achieve my goal, I'll use it. If it doesn't, fuck off. I don't want to deal with you right now, right? And so it's about learning to recognize excuses and weaknesses that prevent us from taking action on our goals and doing whatever we can to achieve them. That's all that matters. Mm -hmm. And so with all of that being said, I want to address some criticisms that people may have. Um, about this kind of worldview. Uh, for example, stage green comes after orange and they react very strongly to this stage because like I said, uh, stage green sees the systems of oppression that prevent people from actually having good lives. Orange rides the edge of system complexity. They can think in terms of natural laws of linear relationships like, if I work harder than everyone else, I will make more money than everyone else. Right, And yet they don't necessarily see all the variables that act in addition to the hard work that a green thinker does. Right, And so when it comes to the accomplishment of goals, the tendency to boil things down to one main factor actually acts in favor of orange, like I said. This is because an orange thinker isn't bogged down by notions of systemic oppression and other complex systems of marginalization. Mm -hmm. Right. So for example, a, am I sounding too formal or am mm -hmm. I, it sounds good? Okay. Yeah. I always think I'm getting too grandiose, like, for example, a stage orange. <laughs> like, Furthermore. Yeah, yeah. Thus. <laughs> I did definitely say that before, so. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for example, a, uh, so for example, a stage orange thinker will blame an Amazon warehouse worker for their low wages, right? Mm -hmm. They'll say something like, you know, you chose to work for subpar wages. Nobody was forcing you to get hired at Amazon. If you want to make more money, then go to a library and increase your value to society. Mm -hmm. If you want more money, then be more valuable. Simple as that. Mm -hmm. That's actually true. 
but yeah <laughs> a big but <laughs> what a green thinker sees is the complex system of variables that is preventing that employee from even knowing that they can increase their wages by learning something from a book let alone actually going to a fucking library and reading that book um, you know, I often say I'm grateful for the trials that I've had in my life because they got me into self-improvement. But that's only half the story. It was by being friends with my, my, my roommate that introduced me to self-improvement. Mm -hmm. Without him, I may never have learned about it. Mm -hmm. And what's more, I didn't actually care about it enough until uh, the emotional leverage provided by a breakup and porn addiction uh, pushed me into taking action. Many people are stuck in trauma or shitty situations and never get into self-improvement because they don't even know it's possible or have even been given information about self-improvement being a useless scam. Mm -hmm. It isn't useless and much of it isn't a scam, but good luck is realizing that deeply enough to actually start taking action on improving your life. Mm -hmm. Good luck is being able to learn how to filter out that scam from the useful once you do start taking action. Mm -hmm. So you're saying that stage green becomes aware of the variables that prevent people from knowing that self-improvement is even a possibility? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I think there's another level to it too where stage green, maybe this is just saying the same thing in different words, but okay. stage green definitely is aware of all like the systemic issues that are preventing people from achieving the same things yeah. like regardless of the value regardless of their mental knowledge or value that they could offer to society yeah like issues of race or gender yeah mm -hmm. yeah which yeah. is like way more complex because like like you're saying like the system is just the system mm -hmm. and it is true that if you increase your value you can succeed yeah mm -hmm. like a, a the, go ahead oh, i was just gonna say like that is simple and that is true yeah and that's like the stage orange way. It's like doesn't even bother with the complexities of race or gender. It's like that's yeah, yeah. that's way too much. Well, that's just it. Because like a, a a person of any race or gender mm -hmm. or any other identity, they can go to a library and they can read a book and that can make them more valuable and they'll get more money if they apply it properly. Yeah. Right. But there are many steps in that yeah. that that people can get stuck on simply because of the the specific nuances of their life mm -hmm. right like do they even have a library in their city mm -hmm. right like for the most part i think most cities in the west do have a library of mm -hmm. some kind but what if they don't mm -hmm. or what if they they don't know how to read well because they were they were brought up in a really shitty school that didn't do enough for them given again the nuances of their specific situation yeah or what if like their their father was extremely conservative and traditional and he didn't let her learn because she did, was a woman right he didn't mm -hmm. like contribute enough to her uh self-confidence in her intellect so when she considers going to a library it's like she, it just doesn't enter her mind it's mm -hmm. not that she thinks actively she can't learn from a book it's that she is dealing with all of these subconscious beliefs that just prevent her from even thinking of it mm -hmm, that's the sure. thing yeah you know and an orange thinker might hear what we've just said and think yeah okay sure there is a complex system that is working against you mm -hmm. so what mm -hmm. fuck the system and work your ass off to rise up against it mm -hmm. there will always be obstacles and there will always be solutions so go out and find those solutions. Mm -hmm. And like we've said, what this mindset does for the orange thinker is give them hope and strength that they need to carry on. Yeah. 
right? Green can get so bogged down by their understanding of system, mm. systemic oppression that they never even try to make their life better. Or they spend their time working on making the system better without actually making themselves skilled enough to change that system for the better. Mm -hmm. Again, Orange is about striving to achieve, even if it takes working 80-hour weeks to do it, and that amount of work turns them into the kind of person who can actually achieve. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because Orange is really about personal responsibility. Yes. And when Green becomes aware of all these systemic issues and whatever else, all these limitations, it's easy to shirk that responsibility back to something external. Exactly. Rather than being like that mentality of the orange, it's like, well, fuck the system. Like, mm. it's you, so just go do it. Just find a way. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's like, uh, I think you, you really captured it well, is that once you become conscious of the system, it's easy to shirk that responsibility onto the system. Mm -hmm. But orange kind of like blindly understands that it's always up to them even if it is a complex system mm -hmm. because like you said the complex system is just all of us mm -hmm. we are all the complex system yeah and so if we want to change the complex system for the better you know we need to start with ourselves mm -hmm. it's like almost cliche to say that at this point but like if everybody dropped their weapons war would be over yeah and that takes the personal responsibility to say okay i'm going to be the one to drop my weapon uh -huh. but easier said than done for easier sure. said than done <laughs> Um, uh, but a, an anti-work person, this kind of like stage green anti-work person would think like, you gross, fuck that hustle culture mentality, like working 80 hour per 80 hours per week just to get rich, like fuck off. I don't want to mm. do that. But you know, personally I am anti-work, right? In the sense that I don't think humans ought to work to survive. Um, I think that humanity's progress should be toward a situation where humans aren't forced to work every single day just so they can afford to eat, to live. However, that is the difference between ought and is. The is is that we currently do have to work to survive. Now a blue thinker may come along and say, hey, wait a minute, 2 Thessalonians 3.10, if anyone is unwilling to work, he shall not eat. I agree with the idea that we should always have something to work on, always have something to be passionate about and to create. You know, personally, I would work 12-hour days on psychology and philosophy even if I didn't get paid for it, right? Like, I love learning about this stuff and I spend my entire days learning about it. Yeah, you do do that. I, I literally, yeah, <laughs> I literally do do that. <laughs> However, I think this points to the, the limitation of blue thinking. Um, that quote from the Bible is absolutely true given the life conditions in which the Bible was written, right? Again, new levels, new devils, old levels, old devils. Blue gets so caught up in tradition, in the ways things have always been, that they delude themselves into thinking that, that God created a static universe that shouldn't change. Even the idea, and again, I'm, I'm a caricaturing stage blue, so I don't think like this is always blue, or this is just like a, a make-believe character that I'm making up that kind of represents blue. Right, so keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. So even the idea of a universe that could change, that wasn't always the way it currently is, is a very recent idea. And so blue religions written down thousands of years ago just didn't have the technology to know this. Right, I, I think it was, um, I mean, I, I think before the Big Bang, we really didn't know that the universe wasn't always just the way it is. Like mm -hmm. the, the, the idea that like there was, a singularity that exploded and then the universe emerged from that over the course of 
you know, millions of years. Like, I think it was well into, like, a couple hundred million years before, like, the universe as we know it was kind of this way. Mm -hmm. And then it's continued to change since then. Mm -hmm. That's a, like, a less than a hundred year old idea as far as I understand. And so, if there is a god, then it's true that he created a universe that is impermanent, that can change. A universe in which conditions can be improved upon. The simple fact that life and civilization evolve in terms of horizontal and vertical complexity proves that. And yet a deeply blue thinker may believe it's their duty to keep everything the same. That is, of course, until they want something to change and then they'll argue endlessly among each other about what should be static and what can be changed. This very thing is what created the schisms and fracturing that allowed Orange progress and improvement to emerge in the first place. And that very same argument continues to this day, obviously. Like, our politics are kind of divided along this line of conservatism and progressivism, of keeping traditions the same and deconstructing traditions that are oppressive, right? Of course, the people who argue for permanence forget that what they want to keep the same was only brought about by change that someone else fought against. And so I do believe that traditions are important. I'm not one of these people who think like, fuck all tradition, it's all oppressive. I think a lot of it is really amazing, beautiful, and something that we need to keep. But not to the point that we allow those elements that are oppressive to remain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they should be like dynamic. Yeah. And open to update. Like renew these traditions and like remind mm. ourselves why we do things yeah mm -hmm. yeah like a big one is uh i didn't think of any in the meantime <laughs> <laughs> we stopped at this point last time yeah. like hmm, hmm. example um or even just like actually yeah marriage and like all the traditions surrounding marriage yeah and like the the ritual of it and people like the wearing of a white dress yeah and a veil and like right. the walking down the aisle by a woman's father and like her giving him a her him giving her away to the next man right there's so many weird traditions with marriage that yeah, make me is. feel really uncomfortable <laughs> but most people just like just do it yeah they yeah. don't really question it they're just like okay this is how it's always been done but what do these things actually represent and do yeah. we still believe that that's the way that like a father owns his pure virginal white daughter mm -hmm. until she's like passed on to the next man to be <laughs> defiled. What if people started wearing like black dresses when they weren't a virgin anymore? It's like, <laughs> yeah, we know this. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I, I, I agree. Like on one hand, I think that it's like, why change it? But yeah. on the other, it's like, well, th this was based on the idea that like a woman was basically chattel. Yeah. And you were giving her up for her breeding capacity to a new family. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Which is fucked when you think about it. If you think about it hard enough, you realize, oh, well, maybe that's a little yeah. bit fucked. But at the same time, it's like, does that need to change completely? And it's like, well, maybe like the idea of the the groom standing at the top of the at the altar or whatever, at mm -hmm. the, the, the front, and the woman being walked down by both her parents. Mm -hmm. Or more, depending on how many parents she has. Who knows? Um... Maybe, maybe that can still happen. And like the change is that it's the mother and father giving the daughter away. And it's not necessarily that they're giving her away as chattel. It's just like they're going through this tradition that used to mean that, but has come to mean something else. It's just like, mm -hmm. this is how we do it. And that's not, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Right? I agree. And I think 
it's like I don't necessarily think these things need to be like completely obliterated. For sure, yeah. But the consciousness around them, I think, has been lost along the way. Right. And right. I think most people, when they analyze it at that level, they're like, "Oh, I actually, that is kind of fucked." Yeah. And to realize that it might be coming from like a fucked way, <laughs> for lack of a better word. <laughs> yeah. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that you have to like radically change it and everyone has to be wearing like different colored dresses at their wedding or whatever. But just like bring that consciousness into it with you mm. and allow that tradition to adapt yeah. based on your new level of exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of like the, that's kind of the way that I approach things where we can look at those and say it comes from a really dark past where mm -hmm. like pe certain people didn't have rights in this case, women. And so we need to be conscious of that past and understand why it might need changing. But just because it used to mean something that we don't agree with today doesn't necessarily mean that it needs to be changed, but we need to be open to the possibility that it might. Mm -hmm. And that's the big thing, right? Maybe the, the marriage tradition should change. And instead of like, nobody should be walked down the aisle. Instead, it should be two people standing at the top as equals mm -hmm. and their parents just sitting in the, in the, in the audience, watching their children who are their own people, marry whoever they want without their say in it. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what we should go toward, but maybe not. Maybe like the whole walking down the aisle is just something nice. Or maybe the man could be the one walked down the aisle at mm -hmm. some point. Like if that's what they want to do, we just need to be open to that possibility. Cause like, mm -hmm. It, it, like I, I'm sure there's somebody listening to this where they're hearing that like the man being walked down the aisle what the fuck like <laughs> but who cares yeah like, why like why does it matter and it's like if, if we are so close-minded and locked into tradition that we can't even consider that possibility well then like what else are you locked down about that could actually be harming you and the people you care about mm -hmm. if, if something as simple as like the man being walked down the aisle instead of the woman is just like oh what the fuck like what these people these goddamn stage green hippies like what are they doing <laughs> right it's like i mean th there's gonna be something else that you're missing that is actively causing you harm mm -hmm. that you don't even consider maybe we should change mm -hmm. you know th there just has to be mm -hmm. you know that's really interesting yeah hmm. anything that comes up to you when i talk about women's rights for my places my situation my <laughs> positioning as a man hmm i mean yeah I, I feel like i could be wrong in my interpretation but right. when i brought up the marriage example you it seemed to me that you you hadn't really thought about it before or, or really considered that and you're just kind of like oh and the first reaction was like well does that need to change is it really like a big deal okay <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's just like well yeah i mean if you've never experienced <laughs> that as being like like the implications of yeah. that mentality and how it filters through just how you're perceived as a female in life is like oh like the the subordinate one always like even yeah. like in taking the man's last name like mm. my name is less valuable than my male partners right. in that unity in marriage mm. yeah i just found that funny that you're yeah. just kind of like oh yeah Ugh. i can't remember I think that's really that's a really interesting one because I remember that reaction, but then as I look back, I'm like, I didn't really think of it like the way she's saying. But mm -hmm. is that my like ego defenses doing mm -hmm, that, or is mm -hmm. that because I actually didn't, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like the what I know about psychology is that it very well could be my ego defense mechanisms mm -hmm. that are like not allowing me to see myself as somebody who would be like 
you know, trapped in that kind of traditional thinking. Because, mm -hmm. like, I, I actively try not to be. And so if, like, you're calling me out to be that way, then I'm like, no, I'm not. Mm -hmm. F you. You're like, you're wrong. It's yeah. like, maybe I'm not. And, like, like I said before, like, I'm probably... I probably fall for that every day of just like viewing women in a certain way because of all these traditions that came to pass. Mm -hmm. Right. So thank you for pointing that out. No, Maybe that's something yeah. I need to look at. Yeah, for um, sure. But also it's not even, not even that like you wouldn't yeah. agree with my side or see right. it that way, right. but that it hadn't even really occurred to you before. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah. what's really interesting about these issues. Cause exactly. you're like, Oh, well, does it have to change? It's it, that's where it becomes a question of, um, of value. Yeah. It's like, do we value this enough to change it? For sure. And it has to come from a place of care to understand the other side. And exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're going to stop this conversation because that's getting to stage green. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, for sure. Like, yeah. I, I absolutely agree with you. It's yeah. like, I, I don't care uh -huh. because I'm not the one who's kind of being subordinated in yeah. this. Right. And so yeah. like. Even though, like, obviously I do care about, like, I do care, but, like, in it's the, not in the, something... For the sake of stage orange mentality, you don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. Let me get to the top of that fucking altar. Um, but, uh, no, like, you're, you're totally right. It's like, I, I, I care because I care about you, mm -hmm. right? And it's like, I care about the women in my life and I care about them being seen as equals in our society. But, like, I'm not losing out if that doesn't really change. Like, I am yeah. at a certain level because, like, of course, living in an unequal society is bad. But, like, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm digging myself a hole. Like, this guy's saying, he doesn't give a fuck about women's rights. <laughs> like, I do, I swear. Oh, yeah, I understand. But, uh, you know, you're totally right. Like, if, if you're not actively, if you're not obviously diminished. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're, not act if you're not actively harmed by some kind of tradition you're just not going to think about it. And even when you are, you might just think like it can't be changed. And so that will cause you to never think about it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like when we come to the marriage tradition where I'm like, well, does it really need to change? It's like, well, of course I would say that because I'm not being actively harmed by that necessarily. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're, what I'm saying is that you're absolutely right. <laughs> like, thank you for mentioning that because that's something that's very true. And I even gave an example before you said that about how you can get locked in those things without saying it as I'm kind of being locked into it without realizing it, mm -hmm. right? And so this is how deep these kinds of things can really go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. So thank you. You, you fucking canceled me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You see, canceling does sometimes work. <laughs> uh, That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Okay. Okay, back on track. <laughs> <laughs> Getting back to the original point. Uh, this is still good? Yeah. It's good. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, coming back to what we were initially talking about with uh, this kind of like, uh, do we need to work or not work? Like, anti-work, all that kind of stuff. I think the simple fact is that one day we will very likely advance technology to the point where we no longer need to work to survive. But until then, we must. And so between this kind of blue work is human nature ethos and the future of techno freedom, we have this orange drive to work toward personal achievement and financial freedom, however you define those things for yourself. I'm certainly not saying that everyone should strive to become a millionaire who works 80-hour work weeks. You are going to have your own definition of what all of this means based on your own values. Is there a complex system against you? Yes. Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that you can't improve yourself in a way that allows you to better deal with that complex system. And that doesn't mean that you can't improve your situation despite that complex system. 
By integrating orange type thinking in a healthy way, you are actually in a better position to change that complex system for the better. So now, this is kind of the place that I came to for the pre-trip intention setting. You know, I had organized all my thoughts around orange, I watched some movies, I listened to audiobooks, and you know, I just felt quite ready to do the trip and you know, have the mushrooms work their magic and allow me to see all that I understood at that point from outside the box. Yeah. That's so funny. Even your method of doing mushrooms is very stage orange. <laughs> yeah, it is. It totally is. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I went to a library and I read some fucking books. <laughs> um, but I, when, when it actually came time for the trip, and I'll kind of get into this later at the end, but I don't really think I got a lot from the trip. Like, I, we were kind of talking about this before where you actually asked me, like, what kind of, like, what happened during the trip? Like, was there anything interesting? And is it like, I just kind of did what I did last time where I was laying on my back, I had my laptop, my notebook, and I just kind of waited for the thoughts to come as they have for every trip before this one. Mm -hmm. uh, but they just didn't, mm -hmm. right? And maybe this is just this trip and maybe the next trip I do, I would have far more insights about this, but uh, it just nothing really came to me, mm -hmm. right? Some things came to me at the beginning and I wrote them down and I, I, I did include them in this actual podcast. Um, but for the most part, it was just like, nothing like just kind of all over the place like mushroomy and in that warped mind maze but not really insightful at mm -hmm. all right and i'm going to get into that later but what i'm going to talk about now is kind of informed by that trip but largely just informed by the contemplation i've done on this since mm -hmm. right and if i were to sum up everything that i did learn uh it would be in the simple phrase and i hopefully by this point you kind of can predict what i'm going to say but just do the fucking work yeah. <laughs> That's what it really comes down to. It's so easy to get lost in big dreams and the potential obstacles and the day-to-day -day of just living life. But when it really comes down to it, stage orange success, personal achievement, hustle, grinding, financial freedom, all of that stuff is really just about doing the fucking work. It's the drudgery, the emotional labor, the waking up early and working late. All of these things are necessary to fully integrate the lessons and mindsets of Orange and to solve the problems that Orange emerged to solve. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you say this later. Yeah. I don't really want to cut you off. That's fine. But like, it's just like what you're talking about with the, the working mentality of like the necessity of work. Yeah. And the ought versus the is. And how easy it is to get caught up in the ought. Yeah. Instead of just being realistic with what is, and yeah. then working from that space, right? working within the system to create the art, which just comes down to the, the simple fundamentals of just fucking do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, like this, it's, it's really simple. And I think that we're going to get into this simplicity more, mm -hmm. but for the rest of the podcast, I wanted to talk about uh, just several of the mindsets that I hear all the time from Orange resources, you know, whether it's self-improvement audiobooks, movies like Wolf of Wall Street, people like Stephen Covey, Brian Tracy, or Anthony Robbins. These are all the mindsets that they are talking about, whether implicitly or explicitly. Before we get into that, was there anything else you wanted to say? Kim? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like me to say that normally? Or like, no, it's okay. It's okay. Um, <laughs> just because I think it's because we were just talking about the the marriage gender thing yeah yeah and then 
you just listed off those male names. I was thinking, like, <laughs> what are, like, female examples of stage orange? Yeah. And recently I was in a spin class, and the song Work Bitch by Britney <laughs> Spears was on. Yeah, yeah. And all of the lyrics, he's just, like, listing off all these things, like, you want this? You want that? You want this? You better work, bitch. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, this is stage orange as fuck. Oh, yeah. Very <laughs> much so, yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. That's You're so welcome. true. And honestly, like, again, I didn't even realize that they're all male. Mm-hmm. They didn't even occur to me. It's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, yeah, like, you just stage orange self development guys, right? Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, but it, it honestly is true. Like, a lot of stage orange... Um, self-improvement stuff like the vast majority is male mm-hmm. right and one of the things you kind of learn when you when you learn about spiral dynamics is that before stage green it is a very masculine uh they're all very masculine stages mm-hmm. right and the reason for that is because the greatest thinkers of the past were all male because women were allowed to mm-hmm. right it's like you can't be a, a a groundbreaking stage blue or stage orange thinker when you're literally not allowed to learn how to read Mm-hmm. right it's like you can and there are many women who have done amazing things don't get me wrong but just in terms of probability it's going to be mostly men yeah for sure right and like even these self-improvement people that i was talking about like they kind of most of them i think were big in like the 70s and 80s and stuff like that and even back then like the idea that a woman could be a a mentor of highly successful people wasn't really believed in because what kind of ceo is going to learn from a woman when he doesn't believe that a woman can be a ceo Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know what i mean and so it's like it's one of the things that we need to become conscious of is exactly what you're pointing out here is that like a lot of this stuff is very male dominated Mm -hmm. and that's something we need to be aware of because as a man i don't have the lived experience of a woman and so i'm only getting information that is specific to the male experience and the, the reverse is true for you, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like the, the, the simple answer to that might be, you know, you only learn from women because you want to support all women, but that also only gives you a woman's perspective and not a man's perspective. Yeah. And so it's a both end. Like you need to learn from all people, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Were you going to bring up that book? I can see it oh. reflected in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like one, one stage orange uh, person that I do know about, woman that I do know about is Jen Sincero. Mm-hmm. Sincero? Sincero, I think, yeah, I Sincero. Think. Um, she wrote the book, You Are a Badass at Making Money. Uh-huh. And uh, it's a great book. Um, but the funny thing is, is there is some stage green stuff in there too. It is yeah. very stage orange, <laughs> but there is some stage green stuff in there as well. Yeah. And that just goes back to what we were saying, where it's like these stages aren't um, clearly right. delineated. It's right. not discrete categories of people because even if you read like a lot of Stephen Covey and Brian Tracy and Mm -hmm. I'm sure even Anthony Robbins I've only read one book by him but um they do touch into a lot of stage green stuff Mm -hmm. and so it's very difficult to make clear delineations all the time but it's more like uh, a compass that can kind of guide you the general direction yeah right yeah like the core values Mm -hmm. and like even if they're talking about maybe a stage green idea it's for the purpose of exactly. a stage orange value and exactly. goal. Yeah. Exactly. I was listening to a good podcast the other day from a guy, um, Henry Andrews. He's a, he's a really good thinker in this kind of developmental space. And he talks about how a lot of people can get content with structure confused. Mm-hmm. Where the content is, it's stage orange success money content or stage green kind of love, emotional relationships, family, that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. But... Like you said, if you're using this, this stage green content 
for stage orange purposes, mm -hmm. the structure is still stage orange, mm -hmm. right? And so it's like how you're actually going about it is still defined by the spiral. Yeah. And often the how you're doing it is more important than exactly what you're doing. Yeah. And why, you know? So it's, it's complex. It's not a simplistic thing. Yeah. But the mindsets that healthy orange has. Firstly, personal responsibility. We've said it multiple times throughout this podcast, and it's kind of summed up in two statements. Number one, no one is coming to the rescue. And number two, no one can want your success more than you want it, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Nobody is coming to your rescue, mm -hmm. right? If you want to lose weight, you're the one who has to go to the gym. Like you can't get anybody to go to the gym for you. You can't get anybody, like nobody is going to motivate you to go to the gym uh, beyond like, trying to do it for you but like for example like if you uh i'm sure you, we've all experienced where like you tell a friend like uh oh i'm gonna go to the gym so please motivate me to go to the gym they might for a little bit but eventually they just fall off of it they can't rescue from this and so that's where we get into the next one where it's like no one can want your success more than you want it your friend can't want you to lose weight more than you want to lose weight mm -hmm. because if they do you're never going to do it because mm -hmm. they aren't going to remind you all the time they're not going to like go out of their way to force you to go to the gym, like argue with you to go to the gym. You need to want to go to the gym far more than anybody else. And that's like a bare minimum, right? And so that requires you to take personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. It's only you. You have to go do the thing that you want to do to get the kinds of outcomes you want. Mm -hmm. You have to do it. Yeah, that's profound. Mm -hmm. It's so simple. Yeah. But it's really... It can, and it can go either way. I think I, people can interpret that either way, which is like, no one's coming to save you. That can be scary and isolating, but yeah. it's ultimately like really empowering. Yeah, very much so, yeah. Because it's nothing outside of you. So that means you have complete control over it. Yeah. And you can take that control anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like nobody is stopping you from going to a gym, mm -hmm. right? And even if you can't afford it, nobody is stopping you from doing push-ups on your floor. Mm -hmm. You know, 10 push-ups on the floor before you go to bed. You can at least start there or yeah. go for a walk outside at least before 10 p.m. You can do that in yeah. Montreal, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's really up to you to yeah. do that. And, like, it doesn't matter if there's some sort of complex system against you. Yeah. At the end of the day, like, if you want something, you need to do what you need to do to get it. Yeah. And just because you brought that up, it's, that's a perfect example is, like, this curfew that we're under right now. Yeah. Like, when that was announced, I felt all these... I had a very like emotional response yeah. and I was feeling like, oh, like, especially even when gyms closed, I was like, I can't go to the gym. I can't keep myself healthy. I can't work out and keep myself fit, especially in the winter when it's cold and I don't want to go run around outside. Yeah. But then I realized I was like, yeah, there are new challenges now. No, I don't have a gym to go to anymore where there's like weights and machines and all this stuff. Yeah, it's winter and it sucks to be outside. But these are all just challenges and there's nothing actually stopping me from maintaining yeah. the healthy lifestyle that I want during this time. Yeah. No one can take that away from me because it's me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then be a single parent working three jobs mm -hmm. to make ends meet and you barely have enough time to work all those jobs, let alone also raise your kids. Mm -hmm. That's a complex system that's against that person. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like how many people are in that situation? I hope very, very few, but the, this is kind of where we get into what I was talking before about the simplicity of stage orange, where mm -hmm. 
You know, we can think of all these excuses for why certain people can't take personal responsibility for something or why, you know, I can't do it personally, you know, for whatever reasons. But that's getting bogged down in the complexity. You know, Stage Green does that all the time. They get bogged down in all of this stuff where they're not helping themselves. They're not allowing personal responsibility to empower themselves. And, and it's like you said, uh, you know, the, the, the idea that it, it can really empower you is so important because when you realize, you know, assuming your situation is such that you can actually do this, that you can actually do it, nothing is more empowering. Mm-hmm. Nothing is more empowering. Like, that, like when you really sit with that responsibility that you can go do that thing, it's just like you feel nothing but motivation. You're like, holy fuck, like I can get up and go do it. Mm-hmm. And then you do and you're like, I can do that again. Mm-hmm. But don't let yourself get bogged down in the complexity of things. Yeah. You know, and it's very, very difficult to say because, you know, you can have, like for me personally, like I'm a white uh, heterosexual cis- cisgender male, right? Like there are certain people who are in certain conditions based on their identity that makes it very, very difficult for them to succeed, mm-hmm. right? I understand that perfectly uh, as much as I can understand it. But at the same time, you can look at almost any identity group or any intersection of identities and find somebody who has made a lot of success, mm-hmm. right? And so there is a line that you need to be on the right side of that line to be able to actually achieve your goals. Mm-hmm. And if you're on the wrong side of it, nothing you do will ever get you toward those goals. I'm open to that possibility, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But the, 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 the very, very difficult thing is knowing what side of that line you're on. Mm-hmm. Because you can look at Obama, Oprah, um, Viktor Frankl, who is a Holocaust survivor. Mm-hmm. Um, you can look at, I think his name is Jeff Blue. He's a cerebral palsy comedian or a comedian with cerebral palsy. You know, Jen Sincero, for example, she was like... Poor as fuck. Poor as fuck, living like in, a, in, in poverty. Mm-hmm. And now she's like a, a millionaire, as far as I understand. She doesn't hurt for money, right? And so you have these examples of people who have identities that we consider oppressed and yet they were able to make, uh, to achieve amazing goals, like become the president. Oprah is one of the richest people who have ever lived, mm-hmm. right? And is a black woman. And so they only knew that they could actually get their success once they had that success. Mm-hmm. Because everybody could have told these people you would never make it because of all these reasons. And yet they went on to do it. And so, like I said before, like I personally can't tell a, a, a black person or a... Um, a person of a, of a certain gender identity that, you know, you should be able to do it. Like, just do the fucking work. Stop complaining. Like, fuck the system and get to the top, right? I can't necessarily tell that person. That's something that they need to discover for themselves. But just consider that it is potentially possible. Mm-hmm. Like, don't, don't let your getting bogged down by the complexity be the thing that prevents you from achieving your goals when you could have achieved your goals if it wasn't for that belief. And it's, it's, it's very difficult. And I, I hope I'm conveying how difficult that decision is to make. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that allowing people to make that decision to really consider it yeah. is important. Yeah, for sure. And regardless of if their ultimate goal is actually possible or not, like on some objective scale, yeah, like it's still a healthy mentality or it could be I, I guess i could see the other side where it could be toxic to believe things yeah. that are objectively 
impossible. But I think the very nature of freeing yourself from limiting beliefs, for, for just daring to dream, I guess, yeah. of like, yeah. hey, I could really do that thing. Yeah. And if I could just put in the work and strive towards it, I'm going to get, even if I don't get to that thing, I'm going to get farther, so much farther than I could have if I just like got bogged down and said, it's not possible and like blame every other, the system for my shortcomings. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, And that's a big one is like, you know, you could say, okay, because of your identity as a black woman, you will never be able to make $50 million, right? There's a lot of steps along the way to $50 million that I don't think anybody would be unhappy to get to, mm-hmm. right? And so that's another thing is that it's not like a one or the other, either or situation. It's not like you can either get a $50 million or you get nothing mm-hmm. and you get live in poverty. It's like there are steps along that way. Mm-hmm. And, and taking personal responsibility allows you to get to the highest step that you could get given your situation. Mm-hmm. And so if taking personal responsibility allows you to improve your situation, to any amount that you can, I mean, why not do that thing? Yeah. You know? Yeah. But you're absolutely right. Like it can be taken too far where it's like you take so much responsibility that you're bogged down by the amount of responsibility you have. Yeah. And that can be toxic. Yeah. And so it's, again, it's a very complex, difficult thing to wrap yourself around, but don't get bogged down in the complexity. Mm -hmm. You know, have that kind of you know, stage orange simplicity of just being like, I'm going to fucking do this, whether there's a system against me or not. And a lot of people who may be watching that or listening to this rather, they may be the type of person who wants to change the system, but realize by doing this, you're probably better able to change that system if you take this mindset Mm -hmm. because you're taking personal responsibility for the kind of system you want to live in. And that takes personal responsibility Mm -hmm. and that allows you to be empowered to actually change it. When you say that, I'm reminded of Leo Gura in the ultimate life purpose course he talks about taking 100 percent responsibility yeah and i remember learning that that concept from him and it and he and him describing it as literally taking 100 percent responsibility for every single thing that happens in your life and around you and i was i remember just reacting like with a lot of confusion like what good does that even do if i yeah. physically like like cause and effect and i was not the cause like what yeah. good does it do for me to say i am responsible for that thing happening but it's really just like it's it's radical maybe but it really just shifts your your it really just shifts your mentality mm-hmm. into that state of personal responsibility and i think that's ultimately a fundamental important thing to yeah. have in your mindset so how have you noticed your understanding of that evolve since you first learned it? Yeah, maybe not even necessarily like, I think evolve, I'm thinking change. Yeah. I don't think it's changed much, but maybe like my acceptance of that as an idea has grown Okay. into like just gradually taking more personal responsibility I've noticed yeah. in my life and like, and, and seeing those spots come up where I want to blame yeah. somebody else or something else yeah. and like assessing a situation and finding in any way possible finding like what I could have done or yeah, just, just seeing, assessing a situation and seeing, even if it's not immediately obvious, mm. seeing a spot where my action could have dictated some part of the experience. Yeah, exactly. It's even like, if it's just on my end. Like it's so easy to be like, um, this person could have done this thing. This person could have done that thing. And like, you're right. Mm-hmm. That person could have done those things. <laughs> 
but there are also things you could have done differently. Yeah. And like, you can't change that person's actions, but you can do, you can control your actions. Yeah. For the most part. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, why not spend your time thinking of the things that you could have done differently without beating yourself up, without making it something where you're just like, oh, you're a piece of shit. You should have done this thing. But learn from it, have compassion for yourself, and then commit to doing better in the future. Yeah. That's self-improvement. Yeah. Right there. Exactly. Yeah. And it's simple. It's simple to take 100% responsibility. Yeah. Because yeah, it it's complex to be like, oh, this person could have done this, or like think of all the other ways, or oh, yeah. like this was, that's way too complex. Honestly, because <laughs> then you could think of all the things, oh, I, I can say this so that that person takes responsibility, or mm -hmm. I can do this, and that becomes a much more difficult game to play. Yeah. Rather than saying like, oh, I'll just do this differently. Mm -hmm. It's just one thing, I'll do this differently. Mm -hmm. um, so again, like, don't get bogged down in the complexity. Like, sometimes when it comes to certain things, allow there to be simplicity in the action and just do the fucking work. Yeah. You know? And so moving on to the next one, personal freedom. Mm. And so basically to sum this up is I will do whatever it takes to live my own life. To become very successful, to really integrate stage orange, you need to develop this desire to have freedom. Because, you know, one of the things that I always hear about uh, is it, when you're starting out in self-improvement, what you want to do is like, what would your day-to-day -day life look like if money was not an issue? Like, where would you live? What kind of house would you have if you had a house? What kind of things would you have in your life? What kind of things would you do? The people in your life? All this kind of stuff if money was not an issue. Mm -hmm. And the reason for this is because Money is often the biggest limiter of our freedom in our life. Like some stage orange uh, people that I've listened to have literally said, money equals freedom. And so when you think this way and imagine what your life could be if you had all of this freedom, it becomes incredibly motivating, mm -hmm. right? Like what could be more motivating than living the, act, like the exact life day to day that you want to live with no limitation? And then you work backward from that to say, okay, what steps do I need to take, you know, a couple years from now, a couple months from now, a couple days from now, today, that are all going to lead me toward that vision of freedom. Yeah. And so this is one of the most important things about Stage Orange, is this desire, is this like all-consuming need to be free. Yeah, and that ultimately comes down to taking resp personal responsibility. Absolutely. Because if someone else is responsible, you're never free. It's like you're you're yeah. trapped in that. Exactly. In that spot. That's that's absolutely true. It's mm -hmm. you're giving up your freedom when you give somebody else responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really good. I, honestly, I didn't think about it in those terms, but mm -hmm. so that really fills in mm -hmm. my understanding. So thank you. You're welcome. Is there anything else you want to say about that? It's kind of straightforward. <laughs> it's very straightforward. Yeah. For the sake of not getting bogged down in complexity, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, yeah, because you can definitely get bogged down in a lot of complexity with that. Yeah. You know, it's far more easy said than done. Yeah, for sure. But don't let yourself get yeah. bogged down in the complexity. It's, <laughs> mm -hmm. it's hard. It's yeah. hard. But the next one that we're going to talk about then is win-win outcomes. If I want to win the most, then I need to help others win, who will in turn help me win. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, if I want this podcast to be really good, I need to think about what can I do to help Kaylee win, mm -hmm. right? And then if you're winning, you're more likely to help me win, and then we can win more together. Mm -hmm. Another example is you and I want to have a really popular podcast that we can hopefully make money with. 
And so we want to make sure our content is the best content that we can create so that we are helping our listeners win the most. And then they will in turn listen to our podcast and help us win. Mm -hmm. And so by finding that win for our audience, we ourselves are winning. Yeah. And so Stage Orange is constantly looking for these ways uh, when it's healthy to find that win-win, to try to find a way like, what do I need to do to help that person win so that they can help me win? But this can actually go wrong, right? Because one of the things that, again, Stage Orange is really motivated by is their own personal freedom, is their own desire for their own life of luxury, whatever that means to them. And if somebody's win doesn't help them get that, basically fuck that person. Yeah. Right? If I can if I can win a lot by having you lose, often people are motivated by that. You know, sometimes that doesn't necessarily happen, like that is very toxic orange, but even if you winning just doesn't have any say on me whatsoever, then I'll just leave you to your own devices and yeah. I won't help you win. Yeah. And so there's this kind of lack of charity so to speak. And I, yeah. I don't want to say necessarily charity because some stage orange people can donate a lot to charity and be very philanthropic in that way. Mm-hmm. But it's only if they can get the win. Yeah. You know? If they get like a something named after them. Exactly. Or if it somehow a contributes tax. to their reputation. Yeah. yeah. A, a tax like exemption or something like mm-hmm. that. They're very motivated to, to give to charity when that means like a million dollars. They'll give, they'll give 500000 to charity if that means a million dollars less taxes. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, exactly. Yeah. That's really interesting. And this whole win-win mentality is kind of like a stage orange. It's like a really surface level morality where it is like to some degree like considerate yeah. of other people in that like say we were just solely stage orange thinkers mm-hmm. that we, and we want this win-win because we want to we give our audience good content um because we want them to win based on what they learn from our our podcast right but if that's as far as it goes it's pretty surface level you know whereas like if whereas if we like if we extended our that win to like a deeper level Mm -hmm. we would want them to do what was best for them and if if that wasn't listening to our podcast we wouldn't want more for the sake of more people listening we would want them to be doing what would actually be beneficial to them that's very true yeah Mm -hmm. but the stage orange win-win is it just it only extends as far as like coming back to the personal win ultimately right Mm -hmm. right and so it's like if you know there might be somebody who doesn't really benefit from listening to this podcast but if we're just win-win then we want to convince them that they're winning or we might not care if they could be winning bigger from going somewhere else. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that's, a, that's very much a danger. Mm-hmm. And so if you're listening to this podcast, listen to this podcast no matter what, because we're going to help you get the biggest. <laughs> <laughs> For real though, like there's, uh-huh. there's definitely podcasts that I listen to and like, I'm just like, this is not what I need to be listening to right now. Uh-huh. Like this podcast specifically, I'm very interested in it. Mm-hmm. I think it's awesome but it's not really helping me with my current problems. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'll save that for another day. Mm-hmm. And so as our audience, like, if that's you, if you're listening to this more as entertainment, that's not really a stage orange mindset anyway. You know what <laughs> I mean? It's like, you're not winning necessarily by listening to this podcast. I hope you are. And if you are, please continue to listen to it. But if there's something else that's more important, like right now that you need to do to get the kind of life you want to live or whatever it is, I mean, do that thing. I would want you to do that. Mm-hmm. And often, like when you get into self-improvement, just listening to stuff passively can become its own crutch mm-hmm. because you're just, oh, I'll listen to more and I'll learn more and I'm learning all this self-improvement stuff. 
but you never actually take action, mm-hmm. right? It's like, if, if the most important thing for you to do is stop listening to this podcast and do that thing you know you need to be doing, do that, mm-hmm. please. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And the only reason I'm telling you that is so you'll continue listening. <laughs> You're like, I trust these people. <laughs> that's so funny though. Yeah. But that's so true. Yeah. And I think a lot of those mentalities, like you can, you can see it. I don't know. Like you can see it in orange a lot. Yeah. And I think you can feel it from a lot of like a lot of things these days. You, you can feel, you can sense the emptiness of it sometimes. Yeah. Like even as our world shifts to like, there's a, like a lot of stage green awareness of systemic oppression yeah. in all these different ways. And you can tell when companies in their stage orange mentality just yeah. like slot in those things yeah. to like appeal to more people. But the, you, you can just feel that they don't actually give a fuck about like yeah. representation yeah. in movies or something. Exactly. They're just doing it to fill the slot to appeal to more people. I think the best example I can think of of that is, uh, up top of my head at least, is um, the new Star Wars movies mm-hmm. where... I think it was in number eight where they had that um, Asian woman, uh, Rose, I believe. Mm-hmm. And she was really, people didn't like her. Star Wars fans didn't like her and they, they hated her inclusion. They, you know, they lost their shit on Twitter, I'm sure. Um, and then she was like basically removed completely for the, the ninth episode, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of people were complaining that it's like forced diversity. It's this kind of thing, right? And then as soon as that happened, they suddenly remove her from the, the movie. And it's like, well, was it just diversity? Because you thought that would make you more money. And then when you realized it wasn't, you mm-hmm. removed it. Like, mm-hmm. it makes it seem like you said so empty. Because you're like, maybe it was forced diversity. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were just trying to get money from people. They thought, oh, people care about diversity nowadays. We'll include this Asian woman. It's yeah. like, well, that, that's a huge fuck you to diversity and Asian people in, 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 you know, Asian representation and all the people who were right, Mm -hmm. who called you out on your shit and actually were right about it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's just so empty. Yes. It's so empty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of like the limitations of orange, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that's like a really good example of how, like, I don't know, like, I feel like there's a bigger conversation we could have about that. that Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Because I guess, what I'll say about that is, I guess the conversation is, does this kind of woke, fake, this, this fake woke capitalism, is that a sign of progress, even though it's limited? Or is that really just a sign of more of the same? Mm-hmm. And that this is not real progress? Mm-hmm. You know? I think both, for sure. Yeah. I think we could get into that. We I don't could know get into if that, you yeah. want to. But... I, 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 don't, I, don't, I want to, but <laughs> yeah. I don't think we should for this podcast. Because yeah, yeah. this conversation needs a lot more than we can give in this podcast, I yeah, think. Yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, it's just, it, it, it just goes to show the limitations of Stage Orange, like I said. Mm-hmm. And how it's all for this profit motive, this personal achievement motive. It's mm-hmm. not for diversity. It's not for this, that, or the other thing. It's how much money that can I make? Mm-hmm. How much can I win? Mm-hmm. Right? I'll help the, I'll help, you know, representation if it helps me win. But if it doesn't, then fuck you. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so continuing to talk about wins, the, the next one is stacking wins, which is the more I win, the more I win. Right? And <laughs> I like, love that. <laughs> <laughs> what, comes, what comes up for you when I say that? I just like the wording of it. First yeah. of all, it makes me laugh. But... I don't know. Let me explain okay, it, okay. and then I'll comment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this this is largely taken from the book uh, "The Winner Effect," where they they find that you know like your 
hormonal profile and neurotransmitters, um, your beliefs, all this kind of stuff changes the more you win, mm -hmm. right? And so it's like every time, you know, a, an athlete wins a game, they're actually increasing the likelihood that they're going to win in the future. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to, you know, you know, fulfilling your dreams and like achieving your stage one success, you are actually benefited by interpreting more things as a win, right? And so one of the things that a lot of people might have issues with is the fact that it's like, well, I'm not, I don't seem to be winning at everything, mm -hmm. at anything, right? Like I'm kind of depressed, I'm anxious, I, I'm not really doing anything with my life. Like yeah. how can I, how can I just start winning? Start like, how can I stack one win, mm -hmm. let alone a bunch of wins? Yeah. But the thing is, is like if you got out of bed this morning and you took a shower, or even if you just got out of bed, that's a win, yeah. right? And for a lot of people, getting out of bed is one of the most difficult things they can do at, 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 all day, yeah. right? And because of depression, because of this reason and that reason, and there's no shame for being at that point. Not at all. Like everybody starts somewhere. We're all victims of this complex system mm -hmm. that led us to this point. But at this point, you can begin taking personal responsibility and start stacking these wins yeah. by simply rewarding yourself for doing simple actions like getting out of bed, yeah. having a shower, brushing your teeth, um, doing it, like drinking eight glasses of water, mm -hmm. like lower your standards for what constitutes a win and allow that victory to land. Mm -hmm. Because if you're doing just a little bit better than you were yesterday, that is a win, mm -hmm. you know? That's so true. And you can, you have the power to frame these seemingly small things as wins. And then yeah. they're actually big things that will, like you said, stack. And then you'll be able to achieve the bigger things that you exactly. might have exactly. goals for for yourself. Yeah. And it's it, like, oh, go ahead. I just, I've noticed that for me, like I've, I've, I'm very idealistic and I have like a lot of grand ideas or like I put pressure on myself to be a lot of certain ways that are good things and I don't want to let go of those things. But mm -hmm. I think what I've learned is that like, I'm not just going to achieve those things one day. I'm not just going to wake up and be perfect. Yeah. I got to meet myself where I'm at and start doing smaller things to kind of positively reinforce and put myself in that mentality. Like I'm doing great, you know, and I told you I have this habit app where I just mm -hmm. like, it's really so small things, but like, just taking vitamins and meditating and stretching that you may I mean even just saying those things like for some people those are really big maybe and they want to work yeah. up to getting able to being able to meditate but these are just like little things for me that I know if I do them every day I'll keep myself on a on on the path towards success yeah. to like the eventual goals that I have for yeah. myself um it's actually funny that you talk about meditating be a big first step actually because we were contacted by somebody on our instagram named uh thomas mm -hmm. shout out to thomas and uh <laughs> he is right now dealing with a lot of anxiety in his life and he is trying to get into meditating and he, one of his big issues right now is just consistency with it mm -hmm. and so it's like for him he needs to reframe every time he meditates is a win mm -hmm. right and like that will allow him to meditate more or if his issue is you know, to having a shower, like I said, like mm -hmm. allow that to be a win, mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of people, again, like I said, may have issues with this, but it's like, if, if the, if the barrier to your success is lowering your standards, even just temporarily mm -hmm. for what constitutes a win, why not do that? Mm -hmm. Like if, if you could say 10 years from now, you're going to be a millionaire and it all starts with you saying, I'm going to say brushing my teeth is a huge win. Mm -hmm. 
would you say like, oh no, fuck that. Fuck that $10 million or whatever <laughs> I said. It's like, I'm not going to say that's a win. That's mediocre. It's like, yeah. no, you're not. You're going to be like, yeah, that's a win. Yeah. You know? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It just comes back. It's just so simple. It's just simple, positive reinforcement. Yeah. And like personal responsibility. Like you can do that for yourself. Yeah. And it, it even goes beyond that with like um, interpreting a loss as a win. Mm. Right. Mm. Like if you go to a job interview and you fail that job interview uh, and they like kind of give you feedback and they say, oh, like you did this, you were picking your nose or something. It's like <laughs> you can reframe that loss as a win because now you know not to pick your nose during an interview. Mm -hmm. You know, some ridiculous thing like that. I know. Yeah. But the point being is that like anytime you lose, that provides you feedback so that you can improve and not do that thing that got you the loss. Yeah. And so then it's a win. Yeah. And so then even when you lose, you're still stacking those wins. Mm -hmm. And all it takes is you just to, to shift your awareness and say, oh, I learned something, therefore I won. And that's just the growth mentality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Growth um, mindset. Absolutely. Because mm -hmm. a lot of people might think that, um, you know, if I tell somebody you can get better, that implies that they're not perfect already. Mm -hmm. And that can be like insulting to them. But it's like the, the, the idea that you can get better is amazing because if you're not happy with how things currently are and you can get better, I mean, what a relief. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my exactly. God, thank you. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I don't have to be this depressed, anxious wreck all my life. It's like, <laughs> amazing. Exactly. And that's the empowerment of personal responsibility. It really is. It really is. So the next one then is luck. And the stage orange definition of luck is process improved probabilities. Mm. In other words, whatever processes you have in your life are improving or decreasing the probability of your success. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as luck. There is only process improved probability. Yeah. And so the idea is that like the more you work, the more likely you are to get lucky to be successful. If you're working 80 hours per week, you're far more likely to find opportunities for success than somebody who's working 20 hours per week mm -hmm. just by sheer volume yeah. of opportunity. Yeah. Right? So every win you stack, you're just increasing your probability for more wins. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of like a good definition for the law of attraction, mm -hmm. which if you don't know, the law of attraction basically says whoever you are, you attract. And so if you think positively, you're more likely to attract positivity into your life, mm -hmm. right? And so it kind of sounds like this woo-woo spiritual thing, but really what it is, is that if you're the type of person to be really excited by your business adventures, or your business ventures, or your schoolwork, or this, that, or the other thing, you're gonna be talking about those things a lot. Mm -hmm. And by nature of you talking about it, you're going to talk to people about it who may be able to help you in that thing. Mm -hmm. And so if you go to a party, let's say, and you're talking about this new business and you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna make so much money, it's gonna be awesome, I'm working my ass off for this. Mm -hmm. Somebody who could be in that same field hears you talking about that, they come up to you and they start talking to you about their ideas, then you become partners and you make millions together, mm -hmm. right? And again, that there's luck involved in that, but if you never were excited about that possibility enough to talk about it, you never would have met that person. Yeah. And so the law of attraction is this idea that the more you put out into the world the thing you're trying to create, the more opportunities are, the more likely these opportunities are gonna kind of fall out of the sky and improve your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and luck isn't this like ethereal thing that's floating around out there and some people have it or they don't. Mm -hmm. That's a big one actually. It's actually something you can increase by your actions and your mindset. Exactly, 
Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's even luck. There's a per there's an element of personal responsibility there. Yeah. Even luck. Yeah. And you know, a big thing that I want to stress is that green becomes conscious of the complex system, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they are better at navigating that complex system, mm -hmm. right? Just because you're aware of it doesn't mean you can navigate it. Yeah. You know, a person can get really lucky and find their way in the dark. How do I do that analogy? It's on like the edge of being a good analogy. <laughs> um, Say it dumb first. Yeah, yeah. Somebody <laughs> can get lucky and find their way in the dark if they try to do it rather than the person who understands that they need a flashlight and is spending all their time looking for a flashlight. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, we have this complex system against me of darkness. Mm -hmm. And if I can just get this flashlight, if society can give me this flashlight, I'll be able to find my way in the dark and then everything will be happy. Yeah. Whereas the stage orange, that's the stage green. Mm -hmm. Whereas the stage orange person says, darkness, what are you talking about? Fuck the darkness. I'm going to find my way. And they venture out there and they eventually find their way out of the dark yeah. room. Yeah. Right. That's kind of like the difference here is like, don't be so focused on the idea that like you need something to navigate it. Just start navigating and hope for the best. Yeah. Don't get bogged down in complexity. Accept the simplicity and just take action. Exactly. I know. Yeah, you're right. Green definitely does get bogged down in the complexity and kind of loses loses that personal responsibility. Yeah. And so doesn't is is less likely to go out and have that like creative solution. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And one thing that I, I should have said this earlier, but like when I talk about stage orange being blind to this complexity, mm -hmm. it's not necessarily that they're blind to the complexity. It's mm -hmm. that they are, they're just motivated to not care. Yeah. They're like, they can understand that there's a systemic oppression, but they're just like, well, fuck that. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. And so I, I hope I've made that obvious. Yeah, I think so. You think so? I think so. so. Okay. I think, um... Because I'm kind of, it's, it might sound like I'm calling orange people dumb. Yeah. I'm not, like, you can have extraordinarily intelligent orange people. Mm -hmm. It's just how they value certain things and the things they think they're able to achieve. And I think you use the words, ride the edge of complexity. Yeah. It's like they're aware of it and they understand it. But it's just, it's just the difference of not getting bogged down in it. Yeah. It's reducing yeah. it for the sake of getting the work done, doing, exactly. doing the thing you can do, taking the control you can take. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's like, because of that, they may not be motivated to try to change that system. Mm -hmm. Whereas a green person, because of their values and the way they think, they're motivated to try to change the system. Mm -hmm. So that's, a, that's a, a big distinction that you need to, to keep in mind. Mm -hmm. um, no one on the spiral is stupid. Mm -hmm. This is not about intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Except maybe beige. Uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> beige. We don't. We didn't even talk no. about beige. Beige that, is like, like baby. Yeah. Mush. There's like some contention about whether beige actually exists because it's like, <laughs> oh well, you know, somebody in an extreme survival situation, um, or like a, a a very elderly person with Alzheimer's, for example. But it's like even in a survival situation, as long as you have your cognitive capacity, you're far more likely to go into red. Yeah. Than beige, mm -hmm. right? Um, whereas, like, and, and then the person with Alzheimer's, it's like, are they really at beige, or they just like have a horrible cognitive disorder that's like eating away at their brain? Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? It's like, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, the next one is a obsession with action, results, and pragmatism. And throughout all of this, I'd say just do the fucking work, just. What kind of outcomes do you want to achieve, right? All of this like action results and the pragmatic 
view of the world that allows them to take their actions and use them to get results. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, they kind of have this mindset where it's like, if you can't work 80 hours per week, you don't deserve to work zero hours per week. Mm. If you're not willing to be on your hustle or the new one is like in your grind set, <laughs> you know, basically your grind mindset, you don't deserve to achieve your goals. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, if you don't want to do it, that's fine. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. But don't come to me and complain when I'm wealthy and you're not, right? That's how Orange thinks. Yeah. And I think this is really pointing to the difficulty of overcoming challenges. Yeah. And because I think, I think something we keep like going back and forth about through this is like describing how simplistic and like just do it Orange is. Yeah. But then also we're reconciling that with like our understanding of the complex system and we're like, but it is way more complex, Yeah. but don't get bogged down in that complexity. It's really just simple. But this is really pointing to like obsession Yeah. and grind set. It's like, you really have to be obsessed Yeah. and really willing to put in that really hard work to get the results you want. It's simple, but it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I think the simplicity is like people think it should be easy or they're like, oh, just do it. They're like, yeah. oh, well, just do it. Yeah. It's like, how? It's hard. It is it's hard. like, yeah, you have to be obsessed. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, exactly. You have to be obsessed. You have to be willing to work 80 hours a week on something. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's not 80 hours of, of fun. Yeah. That's a grind. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like. Yeah. Yeah. Passion is challenging. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. It's like you can you can even get you know, programs or books or, or YouTube videos and all the podcasts of all this stuff that is teaching you how to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. But the, nobody's coming to the rescue. We're not going to do it for you. Mm-hmm. Like you have to actually be the one to do this work and that work is not easy. Mm-hmm. Even if you keep it simple, even if making a million dollars is this super simple thing to do, mm-hmm. the, 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 the difficulty is the difficulty. Yeah. Right. It, it, it's as simple as that. It's like it, it's simple yet extraordinarily difficult. And that difficulty is what makes it complex. Exactly. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's a circular definition, but <laughs> you get what I mean. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so the next one is logical thinking, like circular arguments. <laughs> Maybe not, but logical thinking, rationality and trial and error improvement, like the scientific method. Mm-hmm. Very stage orange. And, you know, it's kind of the idea that like there is a solution and I can use logic. I can go to nature. I can use empiricism to find that solution. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, it's, it, it, I mean, yeah, it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Like there's going to be some way to do it and I can find it. Yeah. And it's that obsession with the amount of work that you need to do to get that thing. Mm-hmm. And so the next, the last one, cause and effect. And basically your choice is whether you want to be at the cause of everything in your environment or if you want to be at the effect of everything in your environment. Mm-hmm. And stage orange, as you can imagine, is like I'm at the cause, right? And like we can look at like the, the, the metaphysical understanding of this where like the environment and you are actually one and there is no difference. But that's getting bogged down in the complexity. You, if, if you interpret everything as you being at the cause of the environment, and you know, you want a million dollars in your bank account, be at the cause of that. The environment is not going to give you a million dollars. You have to be at the cause of that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so again, it's all of this personal responsibility we've been talking about. And this idea is like the proactivity 
rather than the reactivity. Mm. Being proactive is being at the cause. Mm-hmm. Be proactive and, and plan things out before you go take action, mm-hmm. right? Be proactive and actually take that action, mm-hmm. right? You can be proactive at every step of the way, but be the one making, taking the action, be the one being the cause mm-hmm. rather than expecting the environment to do anything for you, mm-hmm. right? And so simple example, don't wait for, for the government stimulus package, go out, start a business and actually make money and be a value to society, Yeah. right? Very stage orange way of looking at the COVID pandemic. And one of the things I've, I've heard a lot from these different stage orange people that I listen to is the pandemic is the best time to make a lot of money, mm-hmm. right? The stocks are going down. It's the perfect time to buy. These are going to go up, right? This is the best time to make money. I love crises like this because it's the best time for someone to make money, yeah. right? This is like disgustingly stage orange, uh-huh. but that is how stage orange thinks. Yeah. Any situation, they're like, this is a chance for me to excel. Yeah. This is a chance for me to show my worth. And so, again... I, I don't think I need to like go too deeply into the toxicity of this and getting bogged down in the complexity. Mm-hmm. But there's a benefit to thinking like this, to allowing yourself to really get lost a little bit in the simplicity and have the, the bigger picture perspective to understand that it's not exactly true, but be able to use it as a tool when it's beneficial. Yeah. Know how to tell the difference in those things. Yeah, for sure. Because these are really valuable things. And and I think what's really important is understanding that that mentality can translate to things that are of like ultimate value or importance. Like it's not something that's reserved just for capitalism and money making. Yeah. Like this is any kind of gain you want in, li- in your life, any kind of success. And obviously like we're talking about stage orange, so it's going to be focused on personal success. Mm-hmm. But I think a flaw of green or like on the toxic green end is like this lacking of including these orange values in the transcendence to stage green values because this fundamental realization of or just like shift in mindset of being at the cause rather than at the effect is realizing that you can make any situation like you have the power to be the cause that you want to see be the change you want to see in the world so cliche but it's true and like you can take that rigorous like ruthless mentality of orange and put it towards things that are like green if that's what you want if you want like social justice then make it happen yeah you know absolutely and that's the thing it's like a big theme throughout this podcast has been me issuing caveats about this stuff. Like, don't get bogged down in the complexity. Yeah. I know it's more complex than this. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what kind of goal you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, they're pro-social goals, uh, even if it's just making money, you know? Like, but these can help you do that. Mm-hmm. Like, don't get caught up in this idea that it's like, oh, these, you know, stage orange is capitalism therefore any of these mindsets are bad. Mm-hmm. That's such a low nuance way of thinking of it Especially when you consider, like we've said, that these mindsets can help you achieve really great things, even with something like environmentalism or uh, charity work or whatever it is, or humanitarian causes that aren't necessarily associated with the capitalist mindset. It's like, these will help you with that. And don't allow your allergy to these ways of thinking or these ways of being prevent you from using them when they can be beneficial. Mm -hmm. That's so true. But... That's the end of the list. We're close to the end of this podcast, but 
the last thing I want to say is more just to uh, to be open and honest about why I'm doing what I'm doing for this podcast. And one of the things that I did realize during this trip was that I needed to have humility and know my cosmic address, right? And my cosmic address, so to speak, is right here, right now. I have certain problems and goals in my life currently that don't necessarily match up with the spiral, right? And what I've been doing so far is learning about the spiral and trying to apply it to my life and learning about these problems that I had when I don't necessarily have stage green problems. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily have stage yellow problems. I have stage orange problems. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to do a stage green trip, but I don't really think that it's going to be beneficial to this podcast or to myself to spend the time it would take to really prepare for it and really to go into this trip and then do the integration work afterward. Mm -hmm. That's not what I need to be working on right now. And so I'm still going to be doing the Stage Green podcast as like presenting it. I'm still going to be doing the Stage Yellow podcast to present it, but I won't be doing a trip for them. Mm -hmm. So just uh, wanted to be honest about that and open about that mm -hmm. um, because uh, there's obviously value in this. I, I think this is a great idea yeah. and I want to move on to be able to actually talk to people about this stuff who've actually worked in it mm -hmm. uh, along with other topics too, of course. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. And that's, that's amazing that that's what you got out of the trip yeah. that you said you didn't really get that much out of. It's like <laughs> that in itself was yeah, the yeah. lesson, right? For sure. It's like, well, just maybe this isn't the work you need to be doing. It was a realization of the work that you need to be doing. Exactly. And coming back to just where you're at, very simple problems right now. Yeah. And just do the work. Yeah. It's just too fucking It was work. a perfect stage orange yeah, yeah. trip. It's really funny that, that like that's... <laughs> Yeah, they, they, they like mushrooms just give you what you need, not what you want. <laughs> yeah. And what I needed was not this huge, profound understanding of stage orange. It was just like, yo, dude, you need to do the work. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> if that's the most important insight that I needed to learn, then that's what I got. Yeah. You know, that's what I need to, to integrate from this. Yeah. Um, and you even mentioned earlier, I think that as you were intending to journal and write on your laptop, that what not much was really coming through. Yeah. That's hilarious because this whole thing is about not getting bogged down in complexity. It's just like no complexity to go with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's really all I have to say for this episode. Is there anything more that you want to say? Um, Any caveats you think we missed? <laughs> no. I, God, there were quite a few yeah. caveats, weren't there? No, I, thought, I think it's, it's great. I really enjoyed this conversation and this understanding of orange. Yeah. I feel like I've come to a very much deeper appreciation for orange. Mm -hmm. And this, having this conversation with you has really helped that. It's good. It's always evolving. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I feel like you're, you're very much, you, you very much have stage green values. Yeah. And so there's going to be a natural allergy to stage orange. And we've talked about this, that you have yeah. that. Yeah. And so you're really good example of somebody who's like oh maybe i can use these for my stage green value system yeah. you know what i mean it's like and you do need to integrate all these stages yeah for yourself and your own development exactly yeah. exactly uh, yeah for sure i was an example of someone with stage green values that lacked the stage orange structure to actually see any real change mm -hmm. in my life mm -hmm. exactly yeah so yeah, that's the podcast. <laughs> that's it, folks. That's it, folks. Thank you so much for, for listening to this podcast. Yeah. Um, 
I really wish you the best in your life and in the new year. Yeah. It's exciting stuff. Perfect um, time to stack wins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> stack those wins to fulfill your New Year's resolution. Mm -hmm. I never made one. I, I just like continue business as usual, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I actually have. Oh, yeah? Do you yeah. want to talk about it on the podcast? No, no, okay, no. cool. <laughs> okay. Okay. So thank you. Goodbye. Thanks. Bye.